Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, on the program today again, we have Pastor Brett Siegelkoff from Caldwell First Baptist. Glad you're here with us again. Thanks, Addy. And Pastor Phil Moran. How you doing, brother? Hey, good. Can I be your brother even though I'm a little bit younger than you? Does that still work? You can be my, you can be my younger brother. <laughs> you can be, you're my kid brother. That's right. <laughs> so we were talking about the um, attributes of God this week. And um, yesterday we looked at the shorter catechism question, which asks, what is God? God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And we spoke a little bit about the simplicity of God, although I don't know if we called it that, but... Uh, the simplicity of God just means that God is one. He's not composed of parts or pieces, but that all of his attributes imply and demand one another. Um, we talked about the unity of his attributes. Um, we didn't really mention the diversity of his attributes, so maybe I'll just say something here at that point. Um, just because there's a unity between God's attributes doesn't mean there's not a real distinction and difference between them. Um, you know, God's wisdom is not his power. Um, God's holiness is not his immutability. So there is distinctions between these attributes, but they're not different parts and pieces of his being. So I guess the question for us today is, you know, when it comes to this idea of God, God being his attributes, the simplicity of God and his attributes, where do you see us as an evangelical culture at large getting the attributes of God wrong? Where are we imbalanced? Hmm. I think perhaps um, the 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 piece of the character of God that's perhaps the most foreign to contemporary culture, and because it's so foreign to our culture, perhaps the most difficult for us to wrap our minds and hearts around is the holiness of God. Um, that that God is a consuming fire, as the Scripture says, of holiness. And, you know, when you, when you dive into the Bible and you really dive into the, into the heart of scripture, one of the implicit, one of the implicit scriptures, and then it's really not stated explicitly this way, but an, an implicit question throughout the entire Bible is how can sinful human beings approach a holy God? Yeah. And so the, the biblical writers are astounded. The Apostle Paul is astounded by the goodness and mercy of God in the gospel that God has made a way for sinful people to approach a holy God mm-hmm. and be made new. Paul's astounded by that. Modern people, not so much, mm-hmm. because having lost the idea of God's holiness, there, there and I, I hate to say it, but this is the image that comes to mind, it, it is almost a flippancy or a chumminess with God that we take for granted that we can approach God and God becomes, I don't know, in this, 
in the, to the modern world, and perhaps this is an unfair caricature, but to the modern world, God is like a tender-hearted grandpa that doesn't take our doesn't take our minor little sins too seriously, and doesn't see most of them anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's happy to see us, and it's always nice to be at his place. And uh, well, no, um, yes, God loves us with the, with the the heart of our Father, our Maker, and our our Savior. Uh, but God is a holy God who who has made a way for sinful people like us to approach. So I guess if I could say that the area, the character of God, the the personhood of God that really needs teaching today, it's the holiness of God. Mm. You know, I would add that one of the things that we do get wrong in our culture is that we're satisfied with a simplistic definition of God. And and this is a simplistic definition, and it was intended to give us a, a basic understanding, but it wasn't an attempt to say that God is in this box and is only defined by this box. I think that mm-hmm. it's important to remember that this is a theological system mm-hmm. that's being laid out for our better understanding. Mm-hmm. And systems are great servants, but lousy masters. Mm. And and so I don't ever want to fall into the trap as, as in, in, and this continues your idea of the holiness of God, of just putting it in this box. But God is so much larger than that. His holiness is, 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 is infinite, mm-hmm. and and I, I and I know that I'll never fully comprehend it or fully be able to to define all of it. And in in light of that, I would also say that by not putting those things in a box, understanding that we have to understand the attributes as Scripture lays them out for us. So, for instance, the Scripture tells us what God is like and and how to how to understand those um, attributes. So, you know, the definition just gives us the attributes, but what the Scripture tells us. Is is that everything is defined by the other elements of God, the other attributes of God? So, for instance, God is just, and He always meets out His judgment with perfect justice. Mm-hmm. But God is also merciful. Yeah. So you know, uh, there's a lot. I heard somebody just say this the other day that um, I'm glad that God is just, but that He makes room for mercy for me because if God was, you know, f- fulfilled the full. Um, measure of his justice, then nobody would be saved. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it requires, for us to be saved, would require him to, uh, and he is just, you know, his justice is met in Christ and his payment on the cross, but he he, he chose that and made that part of his plan from eternity past mm-hmm. in order to give us mercy. Mm-hmm. And so his justice, I think, has to be looked at in light of his mercy, mm-hmm. similar with um powerfulness. God is all powerful. He can do anything he wants. But it helps me to understand that in God's power he's also kind. Mm-hmm. And that helps helps me understand like when when Christians come to me and they say, you know, uh, pastor, uh, I think God's got it out for me because I've I've sinned in his wrath. He's he's going to he's going to lay me out. I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for God to just nail mm-hmm. me. And and I try to tell them and say, you know, God is all powerful and he could do anything he wants to you at any time. Mm-hmm. And and that should cause us to pause and say, hmm, you know, yeah. God God has that ability. But also that as his children, God treats us as a child, and or he, he treats us as his child, and he treats us with the kindness of a parent. And so his power is determined by his kindness, but as well as all the other aspects, his wisdom and his holiness right. and all of those right. things. So, so how wonderful it is to have a God that possesses all of these attributes, but they're all interworking at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so maybe the other flip side of the coin of what you were saying, Phil, you said 
you think maybe evangelicals underestimate God's holiness today. I think maybe the flip side of that coin is that we overestimate his love. Um, and, and I maybe overemphasize, maybe that's the better way to say it. Yeah. Overemphasize yeah. his love to the, to the nullification of his other attributes. Right. Or, or we simply, we give it a human definition. We, we give, we give divine love a, a sloppy definition based on our ideas of love. Right. Because don't get me yeah. wrong. I mean, what my heart needs to hear is that, that God is for me, that he loves yeah. me. I, I, yeah. I need to hear those things. Right. But I, I equally need to hear that, that God has decisively dealt with my sin. Yeah. Decisively. So that there's not any one sin, Pastor Brad, as you're talking about, you know, sometimes people come to you and say, oh, I feel like God's out to get me. I, I don't want to feel that way. And the gospel answers that by saying, no, 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 God already got Jesus for me. Um, Instead of, well, God just loves you. Right. Whether yeah. or not you've repented. Right. Because that, that doesn't that doesn't score with the biblical data. You know, one of the things that Tim Keller says that I so appreciate, he has this little gospel couplet. He's probably not the first one to say it, but that we are we are far more e- more evil than we could possibly imagine and far more loved in Christ than we could ever dare to hope. And both of those things square um, what we know about ourselves and they teach us something about God in Christ. He is for us regardless of our sins, not because he brushes past our sins, but because they've already been punished on Jesus Christ. I, I, I like what you said earlier, Phil, when you, you talked about how what the Apostle Paul struggled with versus what modern evangelical struggles with, because um, oftentimes we hear silly things like, how could a loving God ever send anyone to hell? Right. But what Paul struggled with is how could a holy God ever let anyone into heaven? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think also um, when we speak of these attributes of God, um, the most, I think the most common mistake made in, in attempting to know God is to take our notions of, let's, a moment ago we were talking about love. The, The worst mistake we can make in understanding the love of God is to take our own idea of love and write that large. You take our experience of love and make that really, really big. And that must be what God is like. Mm-hmm. And that's where we, that's where we run afoul of all, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, or to take our idea of mercy and, and write that large or our idea of justice and write that large. Mm-hmm. No, allow God in his word, allow God in his revelation to define these characteristics for us. And we'll find them in a whole new way that we, that we never would have imagined. Um, and, and let me take, uh, just one. We've been, we talked earlier about the power of God. And when I think of power, I think of the, I think of the coercive ability to make anybody do anything, right? That's power. Mm-hmm. And I could write that large and say, okay, that's God's power. No. But what did God say to the apostle Paul? It's, it's paradoxical. My strength is made manifest in weakness. Mm-hmm. How did God show his greatest power by the son of God humbling himself and becoming a servant of all and by submitting to death on a cross? Mm-hmm. Wow. Who yeah. would have expected? So the, the power of God, and we could apply this to any of the attributes of God. It's always paradoxical to the human experience. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons we know the gospel is true is because it surprises us so much that no, God doesn't come among us to coerce 
he sends his son among us as one who serves Mm -hmm. and who gives his life as a ransom for many. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yes, let's revel in all of these qualities and all these characteristics of God, but wow, uh, each one of them is, is deeper and greater and higher than what we would have imagined into these words. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, even as you're, even as you're talking and as both of you guys have shared the gospel on the program, um, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation unto yeah. everyone who believes there's, there's literal spiritual power that's coming from the very proclaimed gospel mm-hmm. as you, as you guys both share it. Okay. So, um, maybe just to, to tie in, I, I imagine that some people would, would hear this definition that we've shared several times now. Uh, God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable and his being wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And someone might object and say, well, doesn't God have more attributes than this, than just these 11? Where is God's love or patience or mercy or wrath or righteousness? Now, maybe how, how would you answer that objection? How, how would the Puritans have answered that question? The guys who wrote this catechism? Well, I think that, um, you know, I'm not sure exactly how how the Puritan would answer it. Maybe you guys know a little bit more about that. But I I do think that it's assumed that that a lot of these other attributes of God are within the current ones. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, God's love is involved in his goodness. Goodness really is a a very wide and broad definition of God. And so... His love and, and mercy, righteousness and goodness are often seems seemed as parallel. Uh, of course, if you wrote all the um, attributes of God, you'd have a, a, a three to five page document, <laughs> right, of just listing all these things out. So I, I think that they try to hone in on, on the ones that were most brought up, um, and then uh, with the understanding that these other attributes of God fold in to the existing ones that they wrote. Yeah. Yeah, well, and also when you're reading a catechism, uh, I think uh, Brett pointed it out in an earlier show. When you read one question, you're looking at one piece of a larger systematic theology. And so it, every question is not going to have an answer in each in each one. And right. you know, read the whole thing and, and it'll cover the whole territory by the time you get to the end. It's a summary by definition. All right. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time.